Preeti, very excited to have you. Uh, definitely um, excited about the representation uh, that you bring uh, today. Um, and uh, thanks for spending your evening with us. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Do you want to go ahead and a uh, quick introduction, Preeti, and we can get started. Yeah, that sounds great. So my name is Preeti. I'm the head of product at Lithic, um, formerly known as privacy.com. Privacy is still part of our company, but now we go by Lithic as, as the umbrella organization. Um, we are building card issuing processing software. So developer first APIs to let our customers issue virtual, digital, and physical cards for a really wide variety of use cases. Um, before this, I was at Plaid. Before that, I was at Coinbase and a couple other tech companies. Um, but very happy to, to join and talk a bit more about card issuing. So Preeti, um, I should tell for audience's sake, um, I just met Preeti like about two weeks ago and I didn't realize that she's a little celebrity in the space of product management. I was sitting next to her and then uh, Preeti, if it's okay to share. Uh... <laughs> there are... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, there are a couple of product managers from Plaid and I think they were relatively new and they recognized her and they were asking if she's XYZ and she said yes and they were, they were wanting to take pictures. So Preeti, tell us, how are you this little celebrity in product management? Uh, okay, you're you're very sweet. I think, um, you know, I was very fortunate to work on some really interesting initiatives when I was at Plaid. So my my first year there, I basically launched Plaid internationally. So our first big market outside of North America was Europe. Um, and it was, you know, <laughs> full of surprises. I think folks on this call who have done international expansion can probably resonate with that. Um, but that that meant a lot of um, a lot of figuring things out in a, a pretty high visibility way within the organization and within the broader um, European fintech ecosystem. Uh, you know, especially because at that point, open banking was this new thing in Europe and especially in the UK. And a lot of people were watching to see how it would impact sort of the market dynamics for a company like Plaid. Um, and then after that, I, I went on to um, lead product for the developer experience side of, of Plaid. And that really meant the APIs, the documentation, but some of our initiatives on direct-to-bank connections and um, trust and privacy as we were getting started with, with those um, initiatives. So that became a pretty overarching overarching piece of work that touched a lot of the company. So I don't know if I'd call it celebrity, but um, it, it did give me a chance to interact with a lot of the, the great folks at Plaid. Awesome. And now we have you here. Um, so Preeti, just uh, kind of going a little deeper into that, could you tell us about your background? Um, you did come from product management and you're head of product now. Uh, curious to learn about your product journey. Uh, as we know, we have a lot of uh, product uh, management teams in the audience, and I'm sure they'd love to hear your story. Yeah, I, you know, I was just talking um, to our talent team. You know, we're very aggressively hiring folks for our product team. And um, one of the questions our head of people was asking me was, what do you look, you know, what what types of experiences are you looking for uh, in in folks who would be joining your team? And it's so interesting because I think every PM or almost every PM has a pretty non-traditional journey into the role. Um, and, you know, I studied chemical engineering initially and, you know, I certainly never thought I would be doing product or product in fintech. Um, 
And so, you know, my, my journey was really one of studying engineering, being, you know, really enthralled by technical problems more, more broadly, um, you know, doing a, a bit of the business training and management consulting and um, biz ops early on in my career and then transitioning on um, to, to that product ownership role and, and just really loving it. Great. Thank you. So uh, now pivoting to Alithic, uh, could you talk to us about, um, you know, all of us trying to learn a little more about Lithic, uh, a little more about it. I know there's a fan group out there for the company. <laughs> um, so would love to learn more about it. And also the privacy.com connection, I think, for some of us who are a little newer to what happened in the transition between privacy.com, which started out with a single use virtual cards um, mm -hmm. and now, um, you know, Lithic, which is so much more. Yeah, I, maybe I, I'll give a, a bit of an overview of the, the two parts of the company, if that's helpful, um, and then can, can talk uh, about how the company got started. Manisha, if that's the direction you want to go, we can go there next, too. Um, so there's two, two main sides of the company, as I alluded to. There's the lithic piece, which I think, um, you know, got, got a lot of attention with our um, rebrand, especially. Um, and that is really around card issuing APIs. So enabling developers and other fintechs to build the kind of functionality that, you know, Bo and the team early on built for privacy.com. So you can really think about privacy as Lithic's biggest customer. Um, privacy, on the other hand, is a consumer product. So it's something that I personally use um, and, you know, a whole other set of people know us very much for what we've enabled for consumers in um, allowing them to easily generate virtual cards for their subscription management or to share with their friends and family um, and, and really turn to this kind of static um, interaction they used to have with, I have a single credit card and then I, I really got to make sure it doesn't get stolen or misplaced into a much more dynamic relationship where, you know, I can generate really unlimited number of virtual cards and have them um, single use, have them with spend limits or locked to a particular merchant. Um, and, and that really changing the dynamic with how people view their credit card. Got it. And then the other part of this is how it evolved into Lithic as it is today. Yeah. So um, I, I, the early start of the company was very consumer focused, right? Privacy.com came well before Lithic. Um, and it, it really came from, uh, you know, Bo and Jason and the founding team starting with this vision of giving consumers more control over their money and, and, you know, they were one of the first people to really be experimenting with this virtual card concept um, and especially single use virtual cards. And so um, in building their vision for the consumer product, they, you know, found this lesson that I think uh, is, is becoming more and more prevalent infrastructure matters. Um, and so the, the back end and the sort of providers that they were using were legacy issue processors and, um, they quickly learned the limitations of that in, in developing privacy.com. And so as, you know, as the company and the user base scaled and you know, they're generating not tens, but hundreds, thousands of cards, um, and some of those scaling factors came into play, they really invested in building 
the infrastructure um, to powerprivacy.com. And in 2020, that infrastructure, there was kind of a pull from the market of, you know, when you see people sort of try to reverse engineer your product, I think that's a, a pretty good signal that there's some opportunity there. Um, so there was definitely some pull of, you know, this this backend has uses beyond privacy.com. And could we could we expose this via an API for our external developers, not just for use internally? And so that's where Lithic got its start in 2020. So we're, we're really new, I think. Um, privacy.com is kind of an old brand comparatively to tech companies founded in 2014. Um, but Lithic is, is like a year old. Um, and, and now we're, uh, formally, we formally spun out the brand and, you know, created some differentiation between Lithic and privacy. Got it. So with that differentiation, privacy.com was your B2C product and Lithic Mm -hmm. is more of a developer first. Could you talk more about what is special about building a developer first product? Yeah. Um, I think actually I was having an interesting conversation with an engineer on our API team this evening um, about everybody says they're developer first. We say that, what does that really mean? Is it, isn't an API just developer first by definition because a developer needs to use it. Um, and he's, he's hilarious, but it, it's a great point in, um, you know, the in my mind when i think of what um what makes us particularly developer first like what it, what lets us kind of say that and mean it um is that we consider that our primary constituency right i think there are other companies and not just in card issuing but across you know across fintech across the broader software ecosystem that offer APIs, but are not developer first. Uh, and, and some of the things that um, I think about is, you know, when we are building out functionality within our API, are the concepts that we are trying to encapsulate into these abstractions um, actually representations of real world use cases, right? I, I, I think that is, um, that is a leap that not that many APIs are able to make that, okay, you have a concept of a card, you have a concept of a user, you have a concept of transaction. Does the schema for each of those things make sense? Does it map to what you actually would expect to be attributes of a human being who uses cards, right? Um, And I think, you know, that is very much top of mind when we are making decisions about how to extend our API, how to add different functionality to it. Um, then I then I would say there there's a, a softer part of this, which is what is your mindset? Um, you know, do you want to kind of bend bend whatever you can in order to let a five person company get started? Um, and I, I consider that you know in, in a lot of those cases, the founder is also the developer, is also the product manager and the janitor, and and do you want that person to? Um, be able to get started on your platform as quickly as possible. So um, I, I think a, a lot of it also comes from the operational side of, of being developer first. Got it. So with Lithic, what specific pain points are you targeting and how? Yeah. So I, I think the, the broad pain point that we're targeting is kind of, so you want to build a modern FinTech app. And, and as, you know, as a lot of people have talked about kind of, to the point of being trite, now every 
every company is a fintech company. Every product is a fintech product. So the pain point we're trying to solve is as um, as a developer or a company wants to embed finance and and especially embed card issuing into their platform, uh, how can we make that as easy as possible? So sort of the you know battle cry internally is make you know be the easiest way to issue cards just that that is what we're working towards um and so we're solving the pain point of you know making this easy to integrate but making card issuing easy to onboard onto easy to maintain easy to monitor i think it's that full life cycle of how do you make this specific functionality accessible to a much wider audience than um was previously possible Um, could I just ask a quick follow-up? I know embedded finance is a lot on people's mind uh, in yeah. the space. For, so do you feel like Lithic is riding that wave and is in a good position to provide a winning product there? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, one of the reasons I think fintech is is so exciting right now is it's fintech itself is riding a number of these different macro waves, right? So there's embedded finance, as you say, Manisha, you know, one big wave in that. Um, but there's an, another one, which is programmable money. I think as software has made a lot of other parts of people's lives easier, I think the, there's an increasing consumer expectation that you should be able to, you know, set limits on your cards and, and sort of tweak it to wa- work the way that you expect. Um, and, and so there is a wave around making that possible. Uh, I mean, I think a, a lot of folks who have worked in fintech know it's much more complicated than that um, in the sense that the ultimate backend systems, like if you go all the way to, you know, how does ACH work? It, it's not that digital ultimately. So there are still limitations, but um, it, it's rapidly, I think, becoming a consumer expectation and something that companies are increasingly able to develop to deliver on. Okay, and if I were to just continue on with one more question around product management, uh, we actually have a lot of questions for you around strategy and we only have 11 <laughs> minutes. So one last question on product, and that is, you are a head of product and I wanna understand what is your philosophy around product ideation, especially within your customer segment, which is developer first? How do you ideate like the next products that Lithic might uh, entertain? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know the customer is at the center of all of that. Right. And I, I think we're very fortunate that we have a very close interaction um, each time a customer wants to get started with us. Right. Because they are, you know, oftentimes in, you know, introducing themselves to the world of cards for the first time. And there's a lot of education we're able to do with them. Um, and, and as part of that, you know, the product ideation piece comes from a deep partnership with our customers and, learning about their problems, learning about the customers they're trying to serve. Ultimately, I think our product is successful if it's able to deliver on the product promise of our customers, right? So if our customer wants to or, you know, offer debit cards to their customers, if they're, say, a neobank, or if they want to disperse insurance disbursements, um, they, they have a customer promise they're making to who, whoever's receiving that end card. Um, and that end customer is in turn, um, you know, making requests and, and providing ideas. So I think um, to, to put it succinctly, I, I think the, the best form of ideation really comes from direct partnerships with our customers. 
Got it. Thank you. Manisha, over to you for the strategy questions. Thank you. So uh, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit into the payment space, which uh, is where Elithic operates uh, very uh, intense competition and innovation. Um, how could you kind of help us understand the payment stack as it exists between the issuers and, uh, you know, the banks and all the uh, parties in the ecosystem and how Lithic's market opportunity exists within the space. I think Bo uh, has been quoted as saying uh, there is, you know, uh, an opportunity on the issuing side, uh, like um, the way Stripe and Square and Eden have figured out um, on the acquiring side. So would love to uh, hear your, um, you know, either one-on-one or lowdown on how the payment space works and Lithic's part in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's a pretty complicated space, you know, to understand. And I think a lot of companies go very deep in, in one part of that. And I think we're, we're no exception to that. Um, I, I think taking one step back, I think the reason that Bo says that is because Stripe, for example, made accepting cards dead simple, right? You, you could kind of be anyone and, and, you know, Stripe and Square be anyone and accept payments either online or, or in person, respectively. Um, and, and, you know, at Lithic, we have this hypothesis that we can do that for card issuing, right? So um, to give a little payments uh, background, there's, there's two main sides to a card payment. There's the merchant who is accepting the card payment as, as a form of payment. Um, that's commonly referred to as the acquiring side. Um, and then there's the issuing side. So you can think, you know, I often think of Chase um, offering, you know, a Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Um, they are the issuer and, and they go out and distribute cards to people who will be making purchases. So that's that's broadly considered the issuing side. And in the middle of those two um, is, is the card networks. Um, and everything kind of flows through them at the end of the day. So Visa and MasterCard Discover. Um, there's a, a couple different layers to each side. So there is the actual merchant. There's the piece of hardware that they use to accept that swipe. There's the processor that then interacts with the network. I, I like to explain it as kind of a, a chain of command, right? Like you show up to your favorite coffee shop, you swipe your card. That message is then transmitted, you know, through all these different parties all the way to somebody has to make that approved deny decision. That's where I, I really like to talk about where Lithic fits in is as the issuer processor. Um, is somebody basically has to manage all those incoming transactions and figure out what to do with them. Um, and um, that's, that I think is, is a really powerful part of the stack because there's some interesting custom logic there. There's some interesting, um, you know, ability to program which which transactions go through and which don't um so that's that's broadly the that's broadly the ecosystem and we're fitting in um you know on the opposite side of of the acquirers who are selling to merchants we are selling to um businesses that want to hand out cards and and that can look a lot of different ways that can look like a bank that can look like vertical SaaS. that can look like corporate expense management um software companies so that that is um, broadly how I describe our place in the ecosystem. 
that was very impressive <laughs> for a very complicated ecosystem. So thank you very much. Um, in terms of then uh, the other players in that space of issuance, mm-hmm. how is Lithic differentiating, right? Like there are the fintech players that have made entry into the market, understanding the opportunity uh, with API first. And then there are some of the incumbents uh, who have not yeah. quite made that change fast enough. So how do you see Lithic kind of differentiating in that space? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question because I I won't, you know, I won't try to hide the fact that increasingly every part of this ecosystem that I just described is becoming more and more competitive. Um, But I think, you know, the real advantage that I see and that we're continuing to build on is um, targeting people and companies who care about ease, speed and flexibility. Right. So, um, you know, there are other advantages that other folks have, but for us, it's really um, going back to this, this product mission that we all, you know, often talk about internally, be the easiest way to issue cards. That means somebody wants, really wants to get to a prototype before YC. Um, we want to make sure we're the ones they pick because we'll onboard them quickly. We'll have a lightweight diligence process for them. The integration will be really simple um, they don't, you know, will be flexible with where they store their money. There, there's a lot of these small components that add up. You know, we allow folks to bring whatever KYC provider they already have. So maybe they're tacking on card issuance later. They don't have to use, you know, our in-house KYC. They can bring their own. Um, same goes with their ledger. So there, there's a there's a kind of flexibility that we really pride ourselves on, Um that I think sets us apart from some of the more bundled approaches. So the, you know, sort of to summarize, I think is that, that people, when people are looking for ease, speed and flexibility, I really think that's where um, they're going to find a lot of value in choosing Lithic. Great. Uh, thank you. And, uh, and then finally, I know we're kind of getting close to our um, uh, structured session. Um, I did want to ask about your recent round of funding, a couple this year, and would love to hear how you're thinking about the product roadmap um, and just milestones that are, are coming up for the company. Yeah, um, it's been very exciting, I think, um, in the last few months doing the breakout of the brands and then announcing a couple rounds of funding. I think the the strategy behind that is really um, investing in the core, right? I, I think... Um, we want to be really good at one thing first. That that doesn't mean we'll, we won't expand beyond that, you know, afterwards. But our key promise to our customers is you've picked us to issue your cards. And, you know, we're going to give you such a great experience that you're going to tell all your friends how easy it was. You know, and, and that going back to Ambika's question around developer first products, that, this is what we think a lot about when we're, we're building our product roadmap is... Um, how can we deliver this magical moment to a developer who thought it was going to take her, you know, say three days to do this integration or, you know, three weeks and and it's done in three hours and and, um, they're able to issue live cards that afternoon. I think that's a kind of experience that you, you tell your friends about. Um, And so a lot of our product roadmap is around that, or, you know, leaning into that, um, ease that flexibility to um, 
further develop to further deliver on the, on that central promise. Um, so it's kind of reinvesting in the core is a, kind of the short version um, of the strategy. But I think you'll also see um, going that next level to to ensure that we have all the functionality that that people could want within that card issuing um, piece of the stack. Got it. Thank you. The 30 minutes flew by. Um, so before we <laughs> open the floor to the audience, um, I think, Preeti, you wanted to make a plug for all openings at Lithic, if you want to do that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, we are hiring across all roles, as you can imagine, from the couple rounds of funding and, and the, the big ambitions to really be the easiest way to issue cards. Um, so product and engineering closest to my heart. Um, and, and you can email me directly, Preeti at Lithic, about those roles. But across the board, you know, on our revenue team, operations, recruiting, we have we have open roles galore. Awesome. Thank you. And with that, we have Kareem on the floor. Hi, Kareem. Welcome. Hi, Ambika. Thanks for inviting me up. Certainly. Would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, introduction on myself. I lead go-to-market for a company called Remitly, uh, which is a, a remittance company that uh, enables immigrants to send money back home to their loved ones. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I've been in fintech for you know over a decade now with uh, Yodley, Common Bond, Carta, and now Remitly. Uh, Preeti, I wanted to know, uh, so, you know, one of the, my jobs at, at Remitly is to, you know, launch new businesses. Uh, we launched a new API enterprise business that enables anyone to embed global payouts directly into their apps. Uh, and, uh, and we also have uh, this business, uh, you know, a, a new initiative called Passbook, uh, which is a bank for multinational. You know, you don't need a social security card number, for instance, to, to open up a bank account. Um, you know, and so um, my question to you, it's awesome that you're, you're enabling, um, you know, issuing cards so easily. Uh, wanted to know, like, how you stack up against uh, competitors, you know, uh, like, uh, like Marketa. So if you can just kind of, you know, um, um, stack yourself in that, like, like, you know, in terms of what the competition is, what your differentiators are. I know you mentioned earlier getting up and running more quickly. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to, you know, kind of point to like specific, uh, companies and, and how you stack up against them. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's always a tricky question because I think we have really great competitors actually. Um, the, you know, what I often say is our competitive advantages are yes, getting started quickly, uh, very tactically flexibility on where you keep your money. We have a sponsor bank, but you don't necessarily have to have all your deposits with that sponsor bank. Um, we, you know, again, some of the, the differentiating features is some other folks, you know, may ask you to use their own KYC bundled product, their own ledger bundled product. Um, so we really try to provide flexibility. So, for example, if Remitly, you know, already onboarded a bunch of users, we can work with you so you don't have to re-KYC those users and you can offer them cards, right? Um, so I, I think we really go out of our way to um, make a configurable product that um, is is plug and play for our customers so that whatever they have sort of built and what they need um, can, can be accomplished with the Lithic APIs. Awesome. And what's one use case that's totally caught you by surprise? 
Um, oh, there's there's actually most of the use cases are are incredibly surprising, and and I think that's part of the excitement of of being at Lithic. Um, the one that you know is the most esoteric, I would say, is True North, which um, enable is is a warranty provider for these big trucks. And so truck drivers go in to get their truck repaired and these 18 wheelers, um, the repairs are like 10 K plus. Um, and they used to follow a very conventional process of, okay, you know, submit your claim and we'll reimburse you via check. Um, and instead they were able to use lithic and, um, basically generate a card on the spot and send it directly to the mechanic for the cost of the invoice. Um, and so in terms of sort of back office costs, fraud, speed at which the, tr- the truck driver is able to get money, you know, they, they never have to put the, the money out up front. Um, it's just kind of an incredible value proposition. And, and then to, you know, sort of layer on that, that there's a, a revenue opportunity in, in sharing in some of that, that interchange um, is sort of icing on the cake. So I think that is the most um, the most out there sort of use case that we've come across. Uh, you know, the more typical ones are, of course, um, neobanking and vertical SaaS. But I, I love talking about the truck, the truck warranty space. Great. Thank you. And thanks, Kareem, for coming on stage. Um, Anand, hi, welcome back. Would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Sure, um, Anand here. Um, I was with uh, Ambika at SoFi before. Just a quick question. Uh, I think very impressive work in terms of what you've done um, and what you're doing right now. Uh, long-term express, uh, expect to displace um, the cities and the chases of the world in terms of issuing, or are you going to be more of a niche player in terms of new areas of business? Yeah, uh, thanks, Anand, for the, the question. I think... Um, This kind of goes back to the payment stack that Monisha and I were talking about is there's still these banks that have these end customer relationships, right? And, you know, I wouldn't think of necessarily Lithic replacing a a Chase or Wells Fargo or somebody. I could think of, you know, somebody like Chime replacing, um, you know, replacing the big banks of you know, yesterday or, or today, depending on how, how pessimistic you are about their future. But um, I, I could see some of these neo banks um, really taking the place of those big banks and those neo banks looking for a developer for sort of modern card issuer where Chase may have integrated with somebody else, you know, multiple decades ago before any of the more modern options were available. And um, it is fairly complicated to switch over to a new provider. So, you know, that that's more of how I would see the ecosystem evolving, more so than Lithic um, itself replacing a big bank. Yeah, I, I, thanks for the answer. The quick question, the other question I had was, do you, do you expect to be integrated with the entire, you know, underwriting or the plastic issuance and everything that's involved on the issuing side? Or do you expect to do certain stacks or certain criteria specifically as you go deep into what you want to do? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I won't, I won't preclude us from, from ever being vertically integrated, but I will say that in the near term, we are laser focused on it being the best at issuing processing. 
So that means kind of, you know, not um, trying to become the best card manufacturer, et cetera. Um, and this, this is leaning further into the flexibility modularity type of theme that we've been touching on is, okay, say you want to use XYZ manufacturer, we'll work with you. You don't have uh-huh. to use the one that we're partnered with. Although we do have some partnerships that, you know, that you can utilize if you, if you were to work with us. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of our approach. I don't think we're, um, we're keen on, you know, maybe we would like to do that with, if we had infinite resources and, um, you know, <laughs> infinite time. But I, I think right now the, the laser focus on card issuing is where we're at. Okay. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, Anand. Simi, hi. Would you like to ask your question and also please introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Ambika. So this is Simi. I work with Ambika in one of the major banks on the technology side. And my question to Preeti is, how do you manage your day-to-day challenges as the head of product? How do you stay ahead of the game and meet all the challenges that you have with the competition? Um, I would feel like, oh my God, there is so much competition in this card business, but I want to see how you feel on day-to-day basis when you overcome whatever you have been overcoming for last in this role or um, how you stay ahead of this, of the game. Thanks, Simi. I, I will not, uh, I'll not pretend it's easy. Um, I, I think what, what has worked well for, for Lithic and for me personally is um, staying really close to the customers. Like how do you feel like you're winning every day? I think it's by de- delivering value to the customers that use you. And especially with a product like Lithic, um, you know, our customers really depend on us to be able to issue cards to their customers. And, you know, we're deeply integrated into their product. Um, and so if they're having questions, they're having problems, working really closely with them um, and, and then working very closely with them when they're thinking about what's what's next for them, what's next in their their sort of payments roadmap and how can we, um, you know, if we should or how can we. Um, plug into that. So I I think that's the one thing that has actually worked um, for us and for me personally. I think the day-to-day challenges are less about how how competitive the market is and honestly more about the generalized problems of scaling a company. I think, you know, Lithic has grown from 30-odd people to to 70-odd people in the last, say, seven months. So it's... um, (laughs) It's a very rapid acceleration of, of bringing on, on new folks, getting them onboarded, and um, being able to keep, keep pushing on our mission and our roadmap. Thank you, and good luck. Thanks, Simi. Sean, hi. Welcome. Your turn. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm Sean Scott. I'm a <clears throat> principal product manager at a, uh, I guess, depending on your, as you said, either today or yesterday bank, depending on your outcome. <laughs> um, and I, I do work with Embica, so I'm probably the 99th person in this room that, that has some sort of connection with Embica. Um, <laughs> the, 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 connect, the question I have is, you know, you know I, I certainly appreciate you sort of your laser focused, but you did talk a little bit about, you just, uh, just now sort of opened the door a little bit in terms of sort of meeting the needs of your customer, not just in the present, but going forward. And my question from a product strategy standpoint is if say you were, you know, if you had more than sort of finite resources, so what would be an acquisition you would, you know, you would consider to maybe get to that, to that sort of next customer need that you don't feel you're quite meeting or you'd be interested in meeting? 
Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think if, you know, if I'm able to dream a little bit here, um, I think there's some really interesting work to be done um, in the banking space, honestly, you know, now, uh, you know, <laughs> I've already probably taken a step too far calling calling some big banks, the banks of yesterday. But but I will say, um, you know, if we could, th- this almost feels like a bit much to say, but if we could acquire a bank um, it, and actually go direct to um a lot of the systems there, I think that's where the real digitization could could be, right? And, you know, this is not to imply that, um, you know, big banks are doing such a terrible job. I think they are coming from a really legacy place. These are really historic institutions in many cases. So, um, I mean, I think I very much appreciate the difficulty in turning a big ship around. Um, but if, if, there was a, if there was a really an opportunity to um, digitize banking, you know, figuring out exactly how that money is moving. I think that's what tends to be a black box for some of our customers is, okay, the money is pulled and then it moves. And how, how do all these pieces tie together? Um, and I, and I really wish that was something that, um, you know, the ecosystem made, made easier and would love to do that. Awesome. That's, that's actually, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point in terms of sort of not not acquiring sort of a, sort of another startup or sort of another technology, but sort of going back to almost to the to the to the basics and, and acquiring sort of a, a bank so you get a, sort of more uh, a bigger insight into that. No, thank you. Uh, I love the insight. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. And then we have one question from James from the Back Channel. He's a, a software engineer for a blockchain company, and he's asking. How closely do you work with customers and what is your process to add a missing feature or information that a customer might have identified? Yeah, um, we work very closely with our customers, first off. So thanks, James, for the question. And, um, you know, many of the software engineers from our customers are in joint Slack channels with our our team, including me and um, some of the software engineers from the API services team. So that is primarily for, um, you know, urgent issues that come up or questions during integration where we, we try to be as responsive as we can. As far as the product roadmap and getting things prioritized, um, it's very tempting to hear something once and then ship it right away. Um, we definitely have that mentality from being a small company, you know, only a few months ago, a very small company. Um, but I, I think one of the things that I'm trying to instill is a sense of discipline of let's um, let's make sure we get at what the actual need is. What is the customer trying to accomplish with this functionality? And then see if we hear that need multiple times. Um, and we've definitely had a, a number of instances of this. So one of the features that we launched um, a little while ago was auth stream access in sandbox that it's it's a fairly complicated part of the product to decision on each transaction and one of the features that our customers really appreciate is the sandbox functionality for that so that they can start building and fiddling with it and there were some gaps where you know the auth stream access sandbox wasn't as fully featured and so you couldn't quite test everything um and we heard that a few times and it was you know at a pretty um, pivotal moment in, in the customer journey where they're trying to figure out whether this thing is going to work, 
Um, and so we heard that a few times and we really prioritized um, building out that, that sandbox functionality. Got it. Thank you. And I think we have Pranav who joined on stage. Hi, Pranav. Hey there. Um, I'm also trying to put my kids to uh, tuck my kids in so there may be some background noise. Um, hey, I lead uh, product for identity uh, at Capital One um, and I have really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. My question is, um, I found out the hard way that the pivot that you are looking to make, you know, from consumer products to developer products, from B2C to B2B, is a is hard. Like, it's not easy to do. These are very different muscles that an organization need, needs to flex. How are you guys thinking about making that transition? What are your lessons learned? Or what are a few things that you had to do differently uh, as you're looking to, uh, you know, pivot into the B2B space? Yeah, it's um, it comes with its own challenges. But I'm sorry, I I appreciate the question. Um, I I think some of the things we've had to do differently is, you know, to James's question of how do you work with customers? It's a very different model in the B two C space than the B two B space. You know, we don't have um, we don't have an open forum for our consumer users to sort of contact us and get responses right away. You know, we have a structured system of support there. When we have these um, customers that are doing the integration, I think it, it warrants a, a lot more technical support. Um, so one one big, you know, difference is really around the model of deeper partnership with customers um, on the B two B side. I think the other piece is we were we were pretty fortunate to have um, a, a really technically focused team. I think. Um, we waited a pretty long time to get product, to get revenue, to, you know, sort of build the non-engineering side of the company. And so it, it it has, you know, Lithic has a very engineering ethos. And I think that has made it a lot more seamless to start thinking of developers as our customers. Um, so I, I think that's that's the second piece is is reorienting the mentality around a new customer type, not just the the way you interact with customers, but actually who they are. Um, and, and then the third piece, which we, I think we're still trying to experiment with is, um, you know, in B2B, you only need, say, a few hundred customers to be considered a success. In B2C, you know, you get laughed out the door if you have a couple hundred customers. That's, you know, your friends or your LinkedIn network. Um, so how you how you pick customers, I think, is, is the, the final piece of that is getting good customers who... Um, whose needs are a good fit for your product and um, who genuinely want to partner with you is, is I think the, the third piece that I think B2C companies don't necessarily think about that they, you know, they offer their product and just sort of wait for the droves of people to come in. But I think, you know, on the B2B side, we've been a bit more, um, it's a bit more of a conversation of, are we a good fit for you? Are you a good fit for us? Thank you. That was an awesome answer. Now we know why you're a product management celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pranav. You're too nice to me. Thank you, Pranav. Um, Andrew, hi. Andrew or Andres? Both are fine. Okay. Um, th th thanks for inviting me up. I, I have a question, and it's about uh, market expansion. Um, I, I invested in a fintech startup here in Canada. And I was reading a quick update from the founder and they were describing the challenges that they have 
not having someone, and I think they specifically mentioned Lithic, but not having Lithic or one of your competitors um, in Canada uh, and the challenges that they face, um, not having that, that developer focused uh, card issuing um, here in Canada. We have people's trust and there are others, uh, other, other banking partners that you can go to uh, to build out your card but you don't get that layer of intelligence that you can build with Lithic. I guess my question is from an engineering perspective, and maybe it's from a policy perspective too, but let, let's focus on engineering. What does it take or what would it take for Lithic to decide, okay, we've built out a lot here in the States. We're going to go into other markets, whether that's Latin America or Canada or Europe. When do you step out um, out of your existing borders and and what do you need as a prerequisite for that? Yeah, it's a great question. And one I I thought a lot about at Plaid. So I I think, um, you know, I've I've been thinking about this for for a while is when is is all the pain of an international expansion really worth it? Um, And and I think, you know, we have ambitions to be bigger than a US centric product. Um, but to your to your question about what does it take from engineering or policy, uh, you know, the short answer is every country is is basically a new ball game in terms of um, fintech and finance. They have different um, regulation. They have different you know needs for, for example, sponsor banks or KYC. There's sort of a rework of almost every every piece of it in some way. Um, and, and so I think what it would really take for us is seeing that demand and feeling like what we've done in the U.S., you know, we've gotten to a, a good place where, you know, the vision here um, be the easiest way to issue cards. One of the ways that I could see that happening is we can onboard people without them having to talk to us at all. You know, if we can get to that point in the U.S. where we actually have that 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 robust of a product. Um, and at the same time, we're feeling like there is demand, you know, we can, we can have a good gauge of that outside of, um, the U S I think we would be thrilled to do that. Um, I think, you know, candidly at at the size that we're at, and you've probably heard this in some of my answers, I, I really try to beat this drum of let's focus on, on card issuing in the U S, um, it, there's so many shiny objects that we could chase. And I think actually what's what's will be key to our success is a sense of focus on our, our core competitive strength right now. Great. Thank you. Andres, any follow-up or is that good for you? No, I mean, that that was an excellent answer. And, and I think it's the one I've heard from Lithic a, a, a few times now. Um, but I just I thought for this audience, it'd be, it'd be good to hear again. Maybe you can talk quickly, though, like, if you had if you had solved for those things from an engineering perspective what would be required like what what's the lift there if if you're going in if you're deciding okay you know we're going to move into the uk the uk is our next market from an engineering perspective what what is required uh, of your team yeah so um from the engineering perspective so one of the things is is basically that information of where where are we issuing this card sort of has to flow through all the back end systems to, you know, okay, which bin does this card go on? Um, is this person authorized to be creating cards in this country? Who is the end user and have they been vetted appropriately according to the 
standards of that country. So it's almost this additional field that you add to just about every part of your system, right? And, and then it's kind of a logic gate into how, which backend you pick to generate that card from. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a high level way I think about the, the international expansion. I think there are other, you know, it depends on the country. I, I don't have all the, the details and honestly, the devil is probably in the details. Um, but, you know, we may not have the same sponsor bank, for example, so that we have different bin, we'd need different bins. Um, we may need different integrations. We may need different integrations for KYC. So um, that, that's, that's sort of a few things that come to mind from the engineering side. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Andres. Neha, hi. Welcome on stage. Could you please introduce yourself and then ask your question? Yeah, sure. Hi, thanks for having me on stage. Um, I recently just graduated from NYU Stern from uh, their MBA program. And I was actually um, on the board for the FinTech Association that we had at school as a board advisor, but I don't necessarily have too much of a background in FinTech itself. I've worked in banking regulation, so that's kind of my focus area. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I joined the conversation kind of late, so I apologize if some of these things are already addressed. I know there was a reference made to KYC, which is something that I've looked at in my job, um, and, and that's always been a hot topic. One thing I was curious about is, um, like, privacy concerns. I know that that's, like, a major thing that comes up these days, and um, I, I guess how do you deal with the hurdles of making sure that you've um, covered all the different areas with relationship to security and um, ensuring customers safety and, and things of that nature. That's sort of a broad question, but I know that privacy is like a big hot topic that we've dealt with, at least from the regulatory side, but I'm also seeing a lot more privacy jobs out there as well too. And so if, if there is some kind of um, opinion that you'd want to provide on that, then that might be interesting to hear about. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it is top of mind for a lot of the, the companies that we all all work at, you know, and anybody in the fintech space, but anybody in tech more generally. Um, as as far as lithic goes, I think there's two, two different um, sort of themes here. One is on the privacy.com B2C side, right? Because I think it's a very different landscape when you think of consumer privacy um, and, and consumer data trust. And so that, you know, that comes deep from the origins of the company. There's a reason we're privacy.com. I think um, we're really helping people not be totally anonymous. I think the the regulations are, are important. We, we keep those um, very front and center within the product. Uh, but, you know, maybe you don't want everyone to know everything about you every time you use your card online. Um, and, and maybe having these cards that, you can generate and use and close and, and close control, and control um, is, is particularly useful for folks who care about privacy. So I, I actually think it's one of our strong suits on the consumer side um, and a key reason that some, some of our customers use us. On the B2B side, I think, you know, the concerns are really different, right? Because we are more of a tech partner for our customers on the lithic side than a repository for their data or, or a direct relationship to their end customers. So I think in that case, where we are much more um, focused on ensuring that our customers follow regulation or are well-educated about 
their obligations when they're issuing cards and letting people in, in some ways move money, right? Um, and that they are doing their part to sort of keep the broader ecosystem safe. But we have a very different sort of approach to that because, um, you know, we are not interacting as, as closely with the end customer. I think that was helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Neha. Uh, Ranjan, hi. Uh, do you also have a privacy-related question? Sorry, I was just looking at your bio. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I have a question or a, just a few things to say. Um, but yeah, I'm from Bangalore, so I don't know much about the fintech in US or something. But what I've seen the fintech in India, uh, yeah, they have uh, the they have a lot to do in the both in the security space and privacy. Okay, India doesn't have a, something like GDPR or something, but India already have a draft act on the privacy and. I think it will be passed by the parliament uh, in next two, three quarters. And as, uh, as a lot of domestic players in Europe who have that lot of privacy-related uh, uh, compliance, it, soon it will come to India. I think the cost of compliance will go up uh, because it's not only just audited assessment. They have to implement new technology to become more compliant. And uh, I don't know how it will affect because uh, fintech is booming in India and the cost of transaction is almost zero for the consumer. But once uh, once they scale up and they will have under much more regulation, both from the central bank, RBI, and other regulators, so that will go up. I think uh, I don't know how it will impact, but I think that is one something. And also uh, because all these fintechs are quite young or startups, their security as such is lacking. Like you can't because I work in the cyber security and in a consulting company, so we work with a lot of big. Uh, like banks so they so have Ra- lot Ranjan, so Ra- sorry Ranjan, to interrupt you sorry to inter- but i wanted to yeah, ask yeah. are you asking if lithic is going to expand into india what is the question uh, no no i'm i'm just asking the uh, any fintech uh, if they have figured out or they are taking into account the cost of compliance because once they have uh, something scale little bigger and they are under the compliance for all these privacy related compliance which is almost all big economies are bringing Okay. That is um, one Preeti, part any... and yeah. Sorry, one second. We're almost done with our calls. So yeah, I just yeah, want sorry, to be mindful sorry, of the sorry. time. So Preeti, any comments on the cost around compliance efforts? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, Ranjan, if this is exactly what you're getting at, but one of the big barriers to issuing cards is figuring out your compliance posture, all, all the things that you need to do for your end customers, all the things that you need to, to do. Do you need to be PCI compliant? Are you going to store the, you know, pans on your servers. Um, There there are a lot of these additional compliance complexities, which certainly come at a cost. And I think that is one of the opportunities that we at Lithic think about is how can we abstract that away? How can we come up with, um, you know, good sort of boilerplate strategies for our customers who might be, again, five people trying to get their vision off the ground? Um, How can we best help them be fully compliant without spending, you know, just sort of absurd amounts of time trying to figure out a, a very complicated landscape. As as far as Neha could tell you, it it could take quite a bit of um, quite a bit of time to figure all of that out. I'm clapping because I know that compliance is always the hurdle for some corporations, and it kind of falls at the wayside because it's not necessarily bringing in revenue for a company, and they view it as a hurdle to say like, oh, we have to go through this, we have to do this because we want to please our regulator, we want to 
just check off the boxes and all that, but not necessarily understanding the true importance of it because the investment that you're making in the compliance aspect of things in the long run will probably save you from spending more money if you do run into an issue. And sometimes like in my role, um, it, it takes that kind of description uh, to a company to understand the importance of why certain regulations exist or why we're enforcing them or why they're even out there. So um, it's it's definitely kind of debatable when people view it as, oh, we have to spend so much more money on compliance and it's not bringing us any kind of revenue. But when you think about it long term, it is sort of saving you because if you do run into an issue, you're going to end up spending more than what you anticipated. Great. Thank you. And uh, we are over time. So Preeti, one last thing. I think we can maybe close with that. Uh, we have um, Jennifer Miller. She's, uh, she works with us. She works on like fintech strategies. And she was wondering if you could maybe close out with what is your pitch for partnerships with big banks? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. To clarify that, our pitch for us partnering with big banks or what, what piece of that? Um, sorry, I'm just reading and uh, that's, yeah, just like any yeah, collaborating model yeah. with big banks. Mm-hmm. And we work at a bank and we do have card issuance and, you know, cards. And so how would a bank, a regional, super regional national bank think about working with Ludwig? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a great it's a great question. And I think it really um, I, I would say it has to come from. Um, what does the bank want to accomplish, right? You know, all, all of these big banks and probably some of these regional credit unions as well, they they have some way today to issue cards. Um, they've probably been issuing cards to their users for decades. Um, and so it's really about, you know, us partnering with those folks to figure out, okay, why, why do you want to change? What do you want to accomplish? And then um, really helping them understand whether and, and how we can help them them get there. So, um, I would say it, it really comes down to what what folks who are moving away from, say, a legacy card issuer want to accomplish. Um, and we would, of course, be be delighted to help them with that. Wonderful. Thank you. So with that, we can close it out. Uh, any closing comments from you, Preeti? No, thank you so much, Ambika and Monisha and, and everybody who asked the question. I really enjoyed the time. And um, again, if, if you're interested in either using our product or hopefully joining the team, um, please shoot me a note, Preeti at Lithic. So look forward to it.